Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search. Focus that fire! And so we come together! Welcome to Focused Fire Chat! Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on June 28th, 2020, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring the web lore, the web lore entries titled Legacy. There are two of them, which is why I kind of stumbled there. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session of the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86. And this is the slightly disgruntled because none of us are in Florida right now like we should be. <laughs> I mean, COVID. I kind of like the air conditioning, but I understand your point. Uh, I mean, they had good air conditioning. You just had to run from building to building. <laughs> like <laughs> It's like Houston. It, yeah, no. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Although, in some ways, I right totally now, it probably is. Because yeah. that, man. Oh, my gosh. No, it's, it's a me. It's a green. And, yeah. This week would have been Guardian Con, which is kind of sad. But I had a really good little uh, Zoom meeting with some Guardian Con friends from back in Tampa. Some of them that were like Ed, OBX boy. Yeah, I heard he, that. I heard that he, he got to up. jump in. That's really cool. Yeah, and he wasn't able to go last year because his son got married. So. It was it was fun being able to ch- jump into chat with them and kind of see and catch up with everyone. How's your week been? How is Texas? Uh, it was pretty good. And, um, we went down to visit family and uh, my my parents basically, and my son got to to play around with his horse. Uh, they they got him a horse for his birthday, and so he got to ride around and basically didn't get off him all week uh which was to be expected but um yeah i I don't blame him it's just like yeah yeah but he so he had a blast which is really all that matters uh there is next to no internet at the ranch so that was that was a fun experiment on trying to stay connected with everything which i guess you know in hindsight i think it was a i uh i uh think that it was a pretty decent week for me to not be on the internet uh, from this, from what I kind of am seeing <sighs> from the after report of everything. Oh my gosh! I mean, <laughs> I'm convinced at this point that everybody's just gone nuclear. Whether it's like their personality online or just everybody is just after everybody, and everyone's it's, got cabin fever. Yeah, I it's think. Ca- 
I, I really, I don't know, but I think you might be onto something. I think it really is just the, like, this, I don't, it's weird. Restriction? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't have any yeah. clue. It has gotten very weird. I, I was reading about the whole thing with Twitch, canceling people, and, or not canceling people but not really telling people about what's going on and that's kind of an odd thing then like ubisoft's um executives are getting axed because of stuff oh really i, mean, I didn't know that one mixer their... got axed altogether well and that... didn't tell anybody. anybody yeah i saw that drama and i was like oh, oh god that was that was a rough thing to watch because i, I don't think there's really a, a a good response to that to be fair um no there isn't with what what caused it yeah well and see like the more i was reading it i i i don't know if that's what caused it i will i will say that because okay the the a deal of that size doesn't just happen overnight like which is actually worse because that i don't know like usually mergers or, or transitions like that i mean those usually take like months here's the thing though like with the way that some people were contracted like ninja ninja got paid out Mm -hmm. like crazy amounts of money because of mixer going down yep which i mean good on him for having a lawyer who can like make sure that kind of stuff is in his contract because otherwise his platform would have just died like he would have been in a bad position oh sorry sorry go for it yeah i think that was the thing that a lot of people were having issues with is because I don't, I'm not sure, but I know from like the affiliate contract with Twitch, that's not, that language isn't present. You know, like if Twitch just sure. vanishes tomorrow, I mean, we'll be okay because we're a podcast. Right. We, we can, we can bounce pretty much wherever, you know, we want, but anybody who streams sure. is just kind of SOL. Um, right. But that's, is, but that yeah. was what was written into his contract mm-hmm. specifically because he had gotten, well, recruited for lack of better term, right. to do Mixer. But yes. I don't know. There's so many different ones that are having to scramble. I know that a friend of the show, Lady Desiree, is scrambling to get back over onto Twitch. Um, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of them that are having to like re redo their whole branding to go back towards Twitch or to even go to, to Facebook. I know a few people are actually going to take that plunge and do the Facebook gaming, which um, more power to them. I'm not a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. But more power to them. Yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been a week, and I'm hoping I'm hoping they restart the simulation. Like, I, who was it? Somebody in chat earlier <laughs> That's said the that onion because, article. The onion yeah. article is like, and 2020, we're just gonna Ready flip eyes. the switch. <laughs> restart uh-huh. the Ready simulation. Ready eyes was just like. Can we restart the simulation? I'm just thinking they just need a server cleaning. They need to do some updates because this is getting out of hand. There's, there's some server-side patching that needs to happen. Stat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a thing. But oh. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I like to it's, say it's going to get better soon, but who knows? I, it's just... I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> but, you know, let's talk about video games. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's jump into Legacy, which, holy moly, talk about a long piece of web lore, because it's two parts, Legacy mm-hmm. 1 and Legacy 2. Um, it follows Anna, specifically, and it, we got it 
what was it? Season of the Worthy. Yep. But wh- I can't remember which part. It was pretty early on in the season, wasn't well, it? Well, it was two parts, too. So I think, if right. I remember right, it was actually... Well, I mean, they've they've kind of gotten to a point where they were dropping web lore back to back. So it mm-hmm. was pretty pretty close. I can't remember the actual release date. I know Ishtar probably has it. Um, uh, they might. Oh no, it, they just they just, just say it's. Uh, they just have it listed as the season of the worthy. Um, it was right. it was released alongside the other portions of the season of the worthy web lores. So I want to say, if I remember correctly, that was like either it was Pretty either early, early or midway through. Like, well, it does help explain some aspects with Rasputin that came into play later on in the season. Right. So I would imagine that this was a fairly early release. But regardless of when it was released, the information in it is kind of astounding. Some soft confirmations on some certain things and some intense confirmations on others. So for what we're doing, though... Since Blue is playing, would you mind if I read the first section and then we can kind of break down the first section? I think that's an excellent idea. And to be fair, this is this is something that Green has been wanting to do for a long time. Ever ever since Legacy came out, I think she has wanted to have a have a episode specifically for these two entries. And I guess that's the introduction I would say is like there is a lot that is packed into these. these entries and i really really i mean yeah we'll probably read most if not all of them but i really suggest going over to ishtar and and checking them out yourselves uh because you know as as with a lot of with the lore the you know second third time you read or listen to them um you start picking up on small things so but yeah i i think that's that's what i'll introduce with Sounds good. Uh, these two cards are essentially the length of some of the books that we have in the archives, just to give you a heads up on how long these two entries are. And it starts with Legacy, Rust, Lucas Planum Expanse, Mars, Tectonic Groans Shake the Surface, Apollinaris Mons has been bellowing pyroclastic clouds for two days before the quakes douse its ambition. They shattered the volcano's southern slope, sending the landmass shelves that supported Apollinaris caldera into freefall. Volcanic lightning forked illumination through plumes of soot over the cascading landscape. The face of Mars shed, and with it the glint of a treasured age was laid bare. Grit-polished bone that hung among the alloy-flaked basalt cliffs like trophies in an iron case. Fresh Martian storms cut red into the sky. Oxidized sandscape stretches for miles around the broken mountain, bent into multiple slopes creases that had cupped Apollinaris base before their fall. Their fracturing borne spillways down the volcano's banks, as if loose from between the fingers of fallen Ares, lost to time and waiting to be exhumed. Dunes migrate outward from the ruin, carried forward on strong zephyrs, each ever distant from the last under the wind-blown sands knuckled patches of basalt are knuckled patches of basalt are revealed like fossils carefully brushed into sunlight by the breath of aeolus wind now unfettered by stony resistance roars across open waste unfurls through the salt-encrusted yardings that sparsely pock the surrounding desert and rejoins the currents dust and ash follow 
Thirteen salt form opalescent spires encaged the approach. They had ribbed inward against the caldera's deluge, soot ash frenzy staining them of burnt bones. Within the storm, a glow refracts, a red sea pyre, coals still warm, a, sh- a sojourner's welcome. Anna Bray traverses the newly sunken expanse, wrapped in mixed-layer garb that forms a pseudo-duster, and trails her frame in scruffy shawls of loose thread. Jinju glides in front of her and spins a thin light barrier to buffet away the scouring winds. She halts at the shore of the caldera. Apollinaris Mons wide crest buys for dominance over the horizon as it presses the borders of her vision. Resonators embedded across her custom so- snow mask hum and disperse dirt from her visor. You were right about the storm, Jinju. It's not going anywhere. Her voice crackles through her respirator. Jinju chirps sassily and rocks side to side. Anna scoffs. Where's your sense of adventure? Jinju pointedly focuses her iris on the lengthy distance they've already traveled, then on the remaining distance and back at Anna. Yeah, it didn't look this far from the air. She shifts the bandolier of pouches over her head, 18 kelvins tight to her hip. Her augmented eyes twist and focus to the cliff face installation across the caldera. Braytech, solid and unyielding in its form, cenotaph to the progeny of her line. Anna's hands find the snap lock on a bandolier pouch, pulls a locational tracker from it, and switches it to life. The screen pops dull resolution green, and a rhythmic ping pulsates some distance ahead. Where's that spike integrated? Distance? 31,739 meters. Output? 51 gigawatts. Geiger reading? 67, and I don't know what those... Uh, Those are uh, microsieverts. I did not know that. Biometric activity? Negative. Network uplink, negative. Broadcast signal, negative. Time, 12.04. No hive, no cabal Either they're stretched thin or we got here faster than I thought. Anna cycles her sulfur-stained respirator filter with a new one. Jinju cheeps excitedly at the last lack of hostiles. About time, right? Anna looks back to the tracker. That's a lot of power, whatever you are. Jinju slowly emerges over Anna's shoulder and emits a duo of low hums. Geothermal makes sense. She nods towards the center of the caldera. Anna commits the information to memory before stowing the tracker. Good readings. Nice shot, Red. A synesthetic tone ripples marmalade hue through her helmet in response. You're welcome. And that's where I want to stop for this first section. So, where do we start? Do we start with like the basic terms of what like a caldera is or do we want to I think I mean so like there's a lot of like basic terms that you could uh break down I mean like yeah I would say start with like the basics especially for this particular episode and then if we want to come back I would say that would be a good uh thing to kind of come back into okay well a caldera is essentially a volcanic crater and there's lots and lots and lots of these on Mars. And um, Apollonius Mons is another one that gets thrown out. Uh, trying to, let's see here, Apollonius Mons. 
It is an ancient uh, shield volcano in the southern hemisphere of Mars, and it's situated near the equator south of the Elysium uh, Planetia, according to a quick search on the internet. So it's one of the larger ones, is what I remember of doing some prior research on this one. And the caldera, it seems to have at least some sort of um, activity going on with the way that is discussed here. Uh, volcanic lightning forked illumination through plumes of soot over the cascading landscape. So it's a slightly active volcano, according to the descriptions here. There are still aspects of it that are very much so um, past experiences. It talks about the sand and the um, dust, the volcanic dust being kind of fingered out. Mm-hmm. And spread out in uh, z- uh, zephyrs using the wind essentially to help spread that out over time. But it does seem to have some sort of activity going on right now, which, if you know Mars, <laughs> is not normal. Not normal at all. But it reveals the, um, because of the volcanic activity, it reveals this location, it reveals this building. Of Braytech. Yes. And Braytech is, this one is an important thing because it ties into, you know, Green had mentioned something about, you know, some stuff gets clarified here. And this is one of the things that gets clarified in the sense of the, I think it's referred to as the pillory. Is that, am I remembering mm-hmm. that correctly? Yeah, there's a pillory that comes. The pillory is mostly in the second card of this, okay, but it's okay, you're starting. You're starting to get that with this uh, first I will, reveal I will of the hold my first location. Until then, then. All right. So we also get confirmation about Anna's augmentations a little bit more. If you didn't already know that her augmentations were for both eyes, they are. Um, there's more confirmation on that one. Jinju. The way that she and Jinju interact together, Jinju appears to be a little bit more sassy of a ghost mm-hmm. than a lot of people expected, which I find awesome. I also like the fact that Jinju, like it, I, I keep I keep forgetting that Jinju actually does speak. Like throughout mm-hmm. throughout a lot of this, you don't see Jinju talk a lot. Um, she's actually very. She usually communicates with beeps and like whistles. But she actually does also, from time to time, she will speak, which I I find, mm-hmm. I like the combination there. Mm-hmm. I do too. That, and it. I think it's just an extension of what Rasputin does as well, because we start to get the synesthetic communication mm-hmm. that Rasputin uses with Anna. And another confirmation that Anna's gear is augmented. It's not the same gear that we have. So her snow mask has an augmentation on it, as well as um, her doesn't necessarily specifically call out her 18 Kelvins has an augmentation, but we know that her her helmet at least does because it talks about getting rid of the sand essentially. Her 18 Kelvins does have uh, elemental augmentations, though I'm not sure is is Kelvins a energy weapon. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it's under that energy banner, okay. but I'd have to look into collections to double check. Because especially the second portion, you get a lot of uh, descriptions of the rounds being encased in arc energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, as far as Rasputin's conversations with her, it synesthesia 
it makes sense to me in a lot of ways because it i don't know if necessarily if anna understands russian mm-hmm. nor if i don't also think that rush or that rasputin would communicate in a language per se mm-hmm. just solely i think that because of his abilities to integrate in some ways with anna and we'll find out later I kind of sort of backpack along with Anna, even though she doesn't know he's there. <laughs> I do like that. That, God, that is terrifying to me because it makes you wonder how many people he's backpacked along with. <laughs> I'm assuming it's mainly just Anna. I would, I would agree. I don't know. I would agree with that. But yeah. the fact is, is that that does set a precedent of him doing it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he does it with us as well. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, and the thing is, at the end of the day, too, you know, we do know that Rasputin has, I know everyone loves it when I say this, but has hacked our ghosts. He has mm-hmm. proxied into our ghosts, basically. So, well, he proxied into Zavala's ghost, too, mm-hmm. in Season of the Worthy. So it's not it's not unheard of. But the, uh, synest- the synesthetic tones ripple marmalade hue. So she- he basically, I love how when they describe this, the writer, that they're using a lot of food or scent oriented colors, marmalade being orange, obviously, or um, more of kind of that orangey red that marmalade can be. But you get both the idea of the color as well as the, the tone. It's a, it's a musical tone. Just, it's very, very weird to wrap your head around. And if you are somebody who experiences synesthesia, that that concept makes a lot more sense. Um, I personally don't experience it, but I have friends who have, um, who will be at a concert and they will taste something while the concert's going on, or they will see colors while the concert is going on. It's a very weird phenomenon, in my opinion. But I don't know... Blue, do you know why that happens or how that happens? Is it a it's, neural, yeah, it's, neural it's, connection uh, thing? Yeah, I mean, my very limited understanding of this particular thing is that it is a, a, a synapsis firing in a different method, basically. Um, I don't want to say it's crossed wires because it really, I mean, it is, but it's not. It's It's not normal for... Uh, for obvious purposes like the average the average person doesn't experience it but um it doesn't mean that they that you don't like in a lot of ways it, it kind of actually enhances the experience of whatever it is that is being yeah reviewed um it can be problematic uh there 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 can be problems uh a lot of people who have it uh especially people who experience it with regards to temporal uh just like temporal passage um some people i know i think blue sonya actually they have a i think i was talking to them about it and um their explanation was that it's like uh they basically see the time like they see time passing as an actual ribbon i think if if i remember it's been a while since i've had this conversation but it's um there's and there's yeah. different variants of it too. Yes. It's yeah, just yeah. the concept the yeah, concept of synesthesia is experiencing a type of stimulus through a different sense. 
So you have your five senses, right? Like touch, um, sight, smell, taste. Uh, anyway, those guys, you have those guys. And if you are listening to something, you may see something different. You, or you may taste something. It yeah. just, it manifests in a couple different ways. A really common one is people will say, I taste colors. Um, so like if you, <clears throat> for, for instance, like, um, you see orange and you're instead of per, instead of like perceiving that visual, you perceive, I, my understanding is that you still see it visually, uh-huh. but you also, you your, your brain also triggers the memory basically of a sensation of taste. And if, if anything, uh, this really is a, a testament to just how crazy powerful our brains are. Um, because you would think like, you know, normally it's like, oh, well, you can't taste something unless you're eating it, right? Well, no, because your brain is literally firing synapse or synaptic paths that enhance or that incur the memory of a taste. And you actually experience the taste as if you're like, and I know a lot of people in chat are like, you know, oh, that sounds awesome. And it, I mean, from the outside looking in, it, it's, uh, it's very interesting my understanding is as though from the inside looking out, it is not. It is It is actually more often than not usually a very, at minor... Disorienting? Yeah, at, at, at minor levels, it's disorienting and annoying. At higher, like, degrees, um, it can actually severely impair your experience of the world. Um, because, you know... Um, as, as like, so like I'm, I'm a, I'm an especially tactile learner. Um, so I have trouble with, uh, visual or auditory, uh, lectures in in school. So school was really rough for me growing up because schools are designed for visual audio learners. They are not designed for tactile learners. Mm -hmm. Um, so multiply that by like a hundredfold. And that's what we're talking about is like, you're, you're experiencing a world that is designed for not your type of experiencing but you can't help but experience it the way that you experience like it's not it's not a choice it's something that your body just literally translates the world around you into um and so like when you start when you start seeing with anna and rasputin what what is actually happening is is this is rasputin is actually all like altering the, the thing, brain chemistry of Anna. Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm wondering or wondering is Anna predisposed to synesthesia and yeah. or is Rasputin triggering a synesthesia within her through manipulation of the brain chemistry like you were suggesting. For the like there, sake of not being terrifying, I really hope it's the former. Yeah. There's no major explanation. Our character doesn't necessarily have that kind of communication with Rasputin, and it would ex- right, and it would explain why Anna and Rasputin can communicate so easily, and she's always there to translate. Though um, Zavala and Rasputin have had their conversation at, during the season of the Worthy, where Rasputin takes over the ghost. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't speak directly to him. Anna's the only one that I know of who can translate what Rasputin is actually saying. True. Um, now, that being said, we do know that ghosts do have ability to speak telepathically with their guardians. So, 
I mean, and there is the throwaway line from Kate's stash mission that does mention syncing up with the Guardian, the ghost and the Guardian syncing up mentally. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it sound, again, it sounds really cool as like a throwaway kind of comment, but then you start thinking about the implications and it's like, wait, hang on. If you can do that, you know, there's a lot of other things that you can do when you start messing with neuro pathways and you know all that like sure. there's some really dark stuff that can that can occur that way there is a few call outs in chat um veru calls out that play on synesthesia with the transmission crisis with the nanite experiments and i'm trying to remember who, what some of those experiments came out as um, oh yeah yeah that could be a explanation for it. And then also well, Dredge and Parable called out that Osiris has a conversation with Rasputin without Anna there that we know of. Correct. And as far as the Sivamites or the, the Nanomites, that is why I kind of am afraid that it's the latter and not the former. Um, because mm-hmm. the basic definite, like in science fiction, a very common trope of nanotechnology is that it does allow for, you know, mental augmentation, I think would be the best word for it, um, because of the way that nanotechnology can actually literally infect you. Um, because, yeah. that's, I mean, that's what it's designed to do. It, it's designed to infect and then repair from within. So do with that what you will. <laughs> right. All right. You ready for the second section? Yes. We're still into first entry, guys. We're still... This is going to take a while. Their descent to the roof of the exposed facility entrance had been the cleanest route. The trio's position atop the tunneled arch oversaw the caldera, with the installation's entrance causeway far below them. Jinju scans a cylinder protruding from the corroded roof, years caked around its metal frame. Anna kneels beside her. She scrapes oxidation from the cylinder's riveted label with her boot knife. Cranal node S0319. Anna runs her glove down the cylindrical node, brushing dust and oil grime from its metallic shell in search of a seam. Hello, cranal nodes S0319. Nice to meet you, you sneaky She guides the edge of her knife to chip away rust and expose the discolored metal underneath. How long did it take for rust to bleed tarnish into the steel's luster? She wipes her palm across the enclosure uh, circularly, smearing ash progressively thinner until it blends like cloudy wax polish. Anna exhales, rolls her shoulders, and continues chipping away. The knife's blade finds purchase in the crease of the node's access panel seam. Anna pushes an impulse of light through the blade, busting the access panel cover free from its rusted locks. Ox access, redline one operative, subset, pillory number nine, Braytech, trademark, serial 10120581112, Clovis, nine, auxiliary panels. Why would they put these on a closed system? Outside. Jinju cocks her shell to the side as if to shrug. Hard to say. Nothing in the archives? Jinju shakes her sh- shell left to right. No. Anna shifts. You know what this is, Red? Discordant tones ripples indistinct expressions that, vi- that fade against her visor. 
We'll see if you remember anything after we hook you into the mainframe. Anna kneels and looks over the exposed node panel before replacing the cover. Maybe even something on Atlas. Words sent forth to die in the storm. Atlas. Clovis, her grandfather's mythic journal. Its obscurity had proven far more challenging to overcome than anticipated. Anna's determination, however, was a resilient creature. Here, she would find answers. Jinju chirps and bobs towards the sun, setting sun, breaking through the edge of the storm. Thunder booms. Anna rocks back on her heels, letting her momentum tip her into a seated position in the dirt. Her eyes follow rusty drifts across the conquered spillway. A red front swims from the cloud overhead outward, kilometers away, nearly cinching off soul's pale light. The star is a frail bulb. The delicate few petals of warmth that escape settles on Anna's face. Pollen sunk to the surface. She lets it soak, a momentary basking. Night creeps from the horizon, and with it the cold of darkness. She wouldn't stay long enough to be exposed. Anna's uh, Anna eyes the causeway beneath. A reinforced blast door rough with erosion was blown agape at some point. Jinju peers over the hundred-meter drop and descends steadily without hesitation. Anna pulls a dual-line cord from a bandolier and embeds it in the stone face. She lets her center of gravity teeter and, fell, and fall, catching herself on cushions of light to slow her. Her feet find ground. Goes beside her. She anchors the other end of the dual line in the causeway steel and clamps an auto lift to it. Anna revs the auto lift and runs slack out of the line. Jinju turns to Anna. Iris meets eyes. Think anybody's home? Anna dips her head towards the entrance. Flavored tone ripples cinnamon and the scent washes across her visor with a dull whine. Jinju chirps and nods towards something behind her. Some distance from the opening, a detached sign lay, lay exposed. Clovis 9. Anna's eyes sharpen, adventurous and keen. 9. Here I thought we found all the sites on Mars. End. So that is the end of that first section, and there's some fun things here. Jinju kind of just wants to go do her own thing half the time and just goes barreling in. Not a problem. Trying to get into the <laughs> facility. Doesn't even wait for Anna, but, uh... I, I love the conversation. I think it's... I can't remember if this is the one I might have I might have missed it because I'm getting shot at, but it's the one where it's like, Anna is like, doesn't the lackey go in first? And Jinju's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's later. Okay. Jinju's... <laughs> that's Jinju, like one of my Jinju's, favorite conversations. Yeah, you're getting a, a hint at how Jinju is like, eh, whatever, this is fine. <laughs> This is fine. We're good. We're good. I mean, okay. So the thing that I wanted to point out in this section, though, is the the concept of Atlas. Have we had any other explanation of what that is besides no, this have, entry? I have it written in my notes. A really big question of what is Atlas? Like, I well, have she my. Says I what have it is. well, like, I mean, but what, like, big picture? What is like? Why is this something that is so important? I mean, Atlas would be Clovis Bray's journal, mythic journal is what she calls it. Its obscurity had proven far more challenging to overcome than anticipated. So, I mean, Clovis Bray, even though he's the head of the corporation, obviously had a lot of say in things, as well as like the research that they did. Do you think that theoretically we would figure out exactly what's going on with 
these facilities. I mean, we kind of get a taste of what's going on in the facilities, but that concept, that old concept from D1 of what happens when you don't, when you're trying to beat death kind of thing, like what, Mm -hmm. what ends will you go to, to try to beat death? I mean, I argue that we know we, we do learn exactly what is going on with the, with the pillory facilities. Um, I, I think if you, if you follow the like concept of, well, and again, we haven't quite got to the point just yet that it like there is a breakdown of logic that shows like if this happens then this um if this happens then this um right. when we get to that part i have i have a kind of a breakdown of the if thens because the pillory okay. the pillory project is very very important for what we have in regards to Rasputin and current game um like it it's very revealing uh as far as why Rasputin has the issues that he has and the um the the personality I think that he has is it it reminds me a lot I mean I I kind of I'm going to say this in all seriousness it reminds me a lot of red versus blue later yeah later red versus blue sure. uh, when they finally do kind of start really um focusing in on the story of the the ais um putting them back together mm-hmm. and and like what is going on with those ais like that is very mm-hmm. it, it it's very reminiscent of that um and i know like humor aside red versus blue actually has a really good storyline uh especially the later towards the, yeah towards the end the, yeah. later, the later season like they hooked you with the first couple seasons but like by season i think it was like season four or five when they is when they finally like really um they started getting interesting when they started adding animations and it wasn't just machinima yes Be- because of church in the story that happens with church, which is the story you're referencing, right? Like church is correct. Yep. Um, an aspect of the AI, right? Like he's one piece of it. And then you have all these other pieces that have been fractured off, not to spoil red versus blue, which has well, been out for ever, ever. Um, but I mean, you see, that's actually, you know, kind of a hint to what the pillory is. Um, now, uh, I know you mentioned the microsievert, I tried. To, I tried to do a calculation off of it. Um, they have a weird thing. They're 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 referencing microsievert per year. That's not normally how you reference it. Um, it's usually microsievert per like minute or per hour. That then translates into like a like a sievert. So a sievert is basically a measurement of um, radiation. So it's it's literally okay. it's like hey, this is the the um, uh, what it's the the. T- uh, Geiger counter. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's a it's a basically a Geiger counter reference. Um, now a sievert is a kind of a, a different variation of it. Um, it translates into like one sievert. I think let me see. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head. One sievert is basically the equivalent of saying there is like a either it's either five percent or 05 percent chance that you will get radiation poisoning. Basically. I know that's a vast difference, and I apologize. I cannot remember where the decimal goes on that, but it's like so. But a microsievert is like so. 
a microsievert is a million of those is one sievert. So when you say it's okay. 67 microsieverts per year, I'm not really like when I was looking at that, I don't know. I, I am not. This is not my my forte. So like I, I could be incorrect, but I was like, I don't see that as a huge radiation spike. Um, so I'm not really sure. It could be like an why. older, <laughs> older <laughs> like, bit of radiation. Right. I mean, like thing. the fact that the radiation is there, I think but that, like you, you have radiation right, but I think in that's general. What she, right. But I think that's what she's pointing out with some of it too. Cause she, um, with the cranial nodes specifically, it's the, like she talks about breasting, brushing dust and oil grime from this metallic shell and like how old it is. Everything's oxidized, like how many years it took to oxidize and cake around its metal frame. Like Which there's, there's mentions to this being an old, old facility, right? Correct. And that actually ties into the patina comment or the patina term. Mm-hmm. Um, patina is basically a reference. I mean, so you have like these two sections of this lore entry, rust and patina. Uh, patina is basically the um, the green brown film on a surface of bronze or similar metal that's produced by oxidation over a long period. Um, and you can also see, like, it's, it's, uh, and it, people will see this often. It's a very, very, it's actually really pretty. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it's when you have a metal surface that has been, it's not just rust, it's actually oxidized. And because bronze oxidizes differently than steel, um, it actually takes on a green cast. Um, right. You can have oxidation on a lot of different materials. Silver will ox- silver will oxidize and get a patina, but it's not green like what we often think patina to be, because the most common one is the Statue of Liberty, which is was not initially meant to be green. It was it was bronze. But then they put it in the ocean. So, I mean, it's pretty. I like her oh, as yeah, green no. blue. I mean, but it's the same. I mean, it's the same as the Eiffel Tower. Actually, they're mm-hmm. they're sister structures. Um, but I mean, like, yeah. It, and so that's when when you said you, patina. France. That's what that is. Yep. All right. So, do you want to read the next one, or you want to keep going on your thing? And I would love to hear you. I I see this as practice for you on your upcoming audiophile series. Ah, spoiler Shameless alert for that. Plug. Shameless plug. All right. Speaking of which, I've been recording today, so that's been fun. <laughs> Seth Green's doing is, an amazing job. I cannot Seth wait for you Seth is a masochist. <laughs> no, Seth is a sadist when it comes to like That makes you the finding, masochist. <laughs> I know. He's a sadist when it comes to like what words he uses, because I have to go and figure out how to pronounce some of these things, and they're new words for me, which is good. I'm learning, thanks to him, but it's a big F-U at the same time. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, my God. All right. Patina. Clovis 9. Apollinaris Caldera. The splintered blast door wheezes. Licks of wind spill over the caldera and whistle through ragged gaps between metal shed fragments. The blast door had been peeled away. Circulars of high density. Curlicues? Curlicues. That's what that word is. Curlicues of high density. Plasteel gnarled into dead spider legs. Anna focuses her eyes on the damage. This door 
It's built like a vault. Something punched right through it. Jinju draws a scan over the door, frame to frame. They'd need a lot of power to penetrate that much plasteel. Heat, discoloration, frictional wear, and vigorous application are printed throughout the vault-style door. Channels like neon paint spatter radiation scar the metal's face, gilded in veins of copper teal patina. Tarnish concentrates along the strips that once formed the center of the door, while the surrounding shore-like edges, still largely intact, remain swollen and fused to the archway framing it. Anna steps closer to the blast door and runs her hand along the steel. She squat, or she swats to silence the resonators on her visor. I didn't see this from up there. I thought it was just pitted, but look at these markings. Jinju floats squarely above Anna's head. Her iris traces the spiraling patterns within small indented pits in the metal. Together, they follow interlinking connections that flow from the door's center outward, carving symmetrical grooves only micrometers in depth. So, not punched. More like pushed. Jinju zeroes in on stress fractures in the metal. The damage was applied delicately, as if someone had split, bent, had split, bent, and smoothed each individual protrusion with meticulous intention. Anna scrapes corrosion into a sterile receptacle with fingertips clawed and pointed light and stows it in her bandolier. Jinju chirps. Damage predates the eruption by a lot. It's a miracle it wasn't flooded. Anna nods. These patterns look like wavelengths. What do you think, Red? Arulian honey drip tones wash through Anna's helmet in luxurious fashion. Something Golden Age, sure. Anna massages her palm contempl- con- contemplatively. Biometric scan still says it's empty. Whatever did it, they're gone now. Jinju flicks a light on and shines it into the door, hole puncture. Guardians first. Anna scrunches her face at her ghost. You know, normally it's the lackey that goes in first. <coughs> yes, chirps Jinju. Rasputin hums a resplendent and authoritative purplish rhythm through Anna's helmet. It persists, orchestral vibrato trailing in her ears. Ha <laughs> ha, Anna responds, devoid of amusement. They enter together. I'm going to stop right there for this one. Just because it's this one doesn't necessarily have a good stopping place at least to break it up. So, um, a couple things with this one. Jinju is a jerk face. So is Rasputin. I just love that. You know, usually it's the lackey that goes first. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then Rasputin's like, hee hee, basically in the background, like, good Lord. It's like, Anna is the stand-up comedian, and she's got the two little monkeys in the background dancing and backing her up, but at the same time making fun of her. It's like, good lord. Uh, Another thing to mention with this section right here is that it confirms that the explosion of the volcano, or the eruption, not the explosion, the eruption of the volcano happened after the fact of this breaking and entering into this facility. And we don't know what broke into it yet. Another little fun thing to point out is Anna uses light in a lot more different ways than we do as Guardians. Uh, one of the things she did earlier in the entry is she used it inside of, like, she infused her knife mm-hmm. to basically so pop jealous. things open. Right? She doesn't use her ghost to open something. She just does it herself with a little bit of light help. 
Huh. Smart. Very. I don't think Genji would do it for her anyway with the way that he acts. <laughs> she. God, he's... She. She acts. She's a jerk. Uh, the other thing is Anna uses... Let's see, what was it? The second one that she uses. She uses her light for something in here, too. Uh, she, with fingertips clawed and pointed light and stows it in her bandolier. So she uses it... She uses light as basically tweezers to pick up something and put it into her bandolier without disturbing anything on it. That's really cool to me. Like she's using green lantern style style light to pick it up and move. Mm-hmm. Was that an editorial comment? It should be. <laughs> it should be. Jinju is a jerk. Oh my goodness. Do you have anything on that opening section? Uh, no, my, my brunt of my notes is actually on the, like <clears throat> the logic statement about the pillory. And then later okay. we're in getting the to? second entry with um, regards to the station. Okay. Well, okay. I'm just like trying to figure out how to break up this next section because it's so stinking long. Uh-huh. <sighs> All right. I'm going to make you read a little bit because yeah, you're no, not definitely. fighting anymore. <laughs> that is true. All right, here we go. So Anna leads. Jinju's light speckles through ash filtering in from the punctured doorway, but all elsewhere there is only stillness. A small utilitarian atrium encircles them with a freight lift directly ahead, saddled by two large windows. Smudges and clouded filth belie a grander facility beyond them. A sectioned-off reception desk fills the space on their right, while lockers line the opposing left wall or lay fallen in impact craters of collecting ash. Above them, a large gyro arm split from the vault door is ensconced in this into the ceiling. Cracks in the surrounding superstructure tell of a violent snap. The room isn't particularly tall, only enough to accommodate the entryway frame behind them. From the arm, the ceiling slopes down swiftly to the top of the lift mechanism. Lines of fluorescent bulbs popped or burnt out ages ago litter the floor in a field of glass shards that transform Jinju's light beam into prismatic skitters across the walls. Anna looks around and crunches through the glass, making her way to the windows. Her visor ripples infrared as a scan sweeps the room. Heat signatures? Nil. I'm not seeing any access points to plug red in. Her voice trails with abject confusion. Jinju whirls and floats past Anna, decompiling herself into data points of light that sift into the walls around the lift. Jinju's flashlight goes with her. Darkness rushes in on Anna to fill the space left by Jinju's absence. It halts against the light impicerium, clinging to her like a second skin. She waits in depth, a pause, time malleable in the dark. Anna puts her fingers to the glass and leans. It feels firm, cold, resistant to pressure. She draws in her fingers, leaving trenches in the caked soot. Her fist closes and polishes a clean hole through the smears. A pop sounds overhead and glass plinks off her helmet. Anna ducks her head reflexively. A few remaining intact fluorescent bulbs surge with electricity. Some burst into flashes of ash and sparks, but enough remain to dimly light the room. Through the newly cleaned window porthole, lights twinkle within a dark expanse of liquid before swelling into waves of psychedelic surf across endless towering fields of circuitry. Anna inches her face closer to the glass. The lift chugs. A thin overlay interface pulses to life on top of the basalt separation between lift and window, pulling away Anna's attention. Jinju recompiles herself into being, a smug lilt to her wafting motions through the air. Her type beam carves existence out of the dark. 
Rasputin can't do everything, you know. A crimson hue lash spits venom across Anna's visor. Good job, Richinchu. Red, cool it. The trio board the lift. The lift descends. Maximum capacity, 14,515 kilograms. They drift diagonally deeper. On either side, paint step signage bears familiarity. Clovis 9. The Bray name, in origin, at least as far back as anyone would care to look, was seated inseparably from Clovis. Preservations on the shaft walls, though dulled under waning ash coat, solidify his legacy in stenciled prints visible through the split-weave chicken wire wrap that surrounds the lift. Anna lets loose a whistle. Rasputin, this has your name written all over it. Senseless quiet sounds back in recognition of a daunting unfamiliarity. Pillory containment, maintenance. Hydraulic pipes groan as the freight lift transitions from the stony shaft enclosure into a glass-walled overlook. Anna steps forward, Jinju close behind. Both peer through the rusted links onto monolithic mangroves of circuitry and data cores drowned in an oceanic tank. Coolant ebbs and flows through bundles of sapphire wiring and shallow breaths. Psychotropic surge washes over motley arcs of electricity as they zip between the towers like synaptic impulses. Tint spills the glasses and flows over eye and iris alike, dripping color into faint emergency lighting. Anna slips between the feverish half-breath beats of pigment that roll over the lift cabin. She could stare forever. If time would wait, it might be enough. Rhythmic, fleeting, frantic, beauty, in a rest. Something blinks in her visor. Hypoxima, B.O. 77%. She shakes it, comes to, breathes, sharp. Anna turns her head towards Jinju, her eyes still affixed to the glass. Are those servers? An archive? An undercurrent, undercurrent of excitement pitches through Anna's voice. Atlas had always materialized in her mind as a journal or a hidden subset of file directories. But this, if this is what she thought it was, after all these years, buried gems still hold the capacity to surprise her. Jinju sends scans out into the drink. They're shielded. She sinks a bit under the weight of her disappointment. It's odd that they'd run the servers off backup power, if that's what they are. I was only able to trip the auxiliary breaker from the atrium. Mainframe access. At least we're going in the right direction. Clatters and whines echo through the shaft as the lift comes to a stop. Do we stop there? Yeah. Okay, so Hypoxima, or Hypoxamia, is (laughs) the... She basically was slightly her oxygen levels in her blood were low she stopped and she, was she forgot to breathe starting, she forgot to breathe she literally just stopped breathing it's totally understandable other, when you see something that just like takes your breath away i mean wow <laughs> i no <laughs> i just can't <laughs> just it's the laugh it's the laugh afterwards it's the i'm so proud of myself (laughs) oh my goodness um yeah so a couple things with that right so uh sapphire weave that is an old component back in d1 we don't have sapphire weave anymore Mm -hmm. and i think it was sapphire wire back in d1 correct yeah and then another call out is the lift that they're on which is 14,515 kilograms, that translates to 16 tons for those of us who are not in the metric system because 
the U.S. is weird. But 16 ton, that's a huge lift. Like what? It's a cargo lift. That's more than, it's a a large cargo lift. Mm. It's not even a small one because even normal cargo lifts don't do 16 tons. That's more than a semi truck. Correct. But beyond that, I don't, I don't have any other super big notes from this area. Just the, the conversations between Jinju and Red and and Anna, she basically calls him out on basically to cool it because <laughs> Red was getting a little huffy at Jinju being able to turn <laughs> something on. can't do everything. <laughs> yeah, basically. Muttering. Angry old man style. But sh- there's a concept that she talks about with the the fact of being in the dark, that time is malleable. I think that's an interesting call out. It it means more so in the fact that she's anxiously waiting in this point, but it's an it's a very when you have nothing to mark time, no light, no no sense to be able to mark it, it it's very easy to let your mind create more time there than there actually is. Mm-hmm. If that's a way to put it. And it makes you wonder of our descent into the darkness, but did you have anything with this one? No, I mean, it is basically a gigantic server room. Um, I mean, it, that I think it speaks for itself, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. I, again, <clears throat> most of my thoughts are going to come when she starts digging into the pillory segment of code. Do you want to read the pillories or the coding? Yeah, I can, I can totally Miss- keep reading. Ease, please. <clears throat> Gates glide through pristine tracks and slip into alcove slots in the walls, giving way to a maintenance nexus fed by dozens of service hatch, fiber line cluster, and access tunnel nervous systems that sprawl the facility. Directly ahead, a door. Pillory mainframe. Paragon. Anna's visor sweeps and highlights a dead network aperture embedded in a web of tunnels below them. Jinju, think you can get us through that? in through that? Crinkle thrum laughter purrs from Jinju's shell. Power will be restored momentarily. Anna approaches the mainframe door. Jinju's light fetters dissipate behind her. It's no blast door, but still far denser than any of the surrounding maintenance hatches. Anna turns away from the door and looks back to survey the room. Brass-hued citrus prickles surge from temple to temple across her visor. Discrepancies in the floor's smoothness trim with ballistics pings. Impact gouged divots had whisked chunks of melted stone into shallow swept peaks all along the floor. A peppering of gloss-ridden flakes around each of Rasputin's contact pings designate three main concentrations of fire. Someone had a gunfight down here. Looks like everything was flying in one direction. Nice catch, Red. Satin satisfaction weaves over Anna's skin and dissolves like perfume. Jinju reforms prideful. Auxiliary power spooling down. Main power stations, of which there are 22, are coming online presently. Expect full operational system functionality to be restored within a minute or two. What would I do without you? Well, you would only die once, and that would be it. Anna shakes her head and attempts to bite down a smile. Rasputin remains silent. The trio position themselves at the door as breakers active, or breaker activations roll thunderous current through the facility. Anna unclasps the halter strap of 18 Kelvins. Light strips sputter and strain to illumination along among corners and grooves outlining the floor and ceiling. Glimmers catch in the gunfire ruts behind them. She extends her fist to Jinju. 
Jinju bumps it with her shell. Anna taps her knuckles against her head to base beat response. She nods. Stay behind me. A lens blinks at center top position above the mainframe door. It sweeps red light over them, focuses in on Anna Bray's badge, and shuts off. Moments pass before a discrepant speaker garbles a synthetic wail of acknowledgement. Pistons locks slink into silicon grease sheaths and the access door retracts into the ceiling. Bodies. Flickering shadows strobe three forms, sunken and ragged. They lay motionless in pools of iridescent slick. Tacky globs grip tattered textile strands like threadbare posts driven into oil. Powerless. Unlit. Exos. Jinju's somberness bleeds into the cadence of her movement as she sweeps the scene. Repairs might be... and wipe them again? No. Anna follows her in and hovers over one of them, carefully avoiding the pool of oil. Let them be. Besides, it's not like they're going anywhere. Between the bodies lay a sleek instrument, sized for crew deployment and dressed in precious filigree tendrils rimmed in calligraphic etching. The instrument's core links to multiple platinum discus drums implanted into its frame, resembling the smaller resonators in, on Anna's helmet, and ends with a hopper crown of artificial diamond bearings. Here's what they used to crack the entrance door. Jinju assesses structural damage to the device. Twists to broken machinations do nothing to diminish the Golden Age beauty. Took a lot of hits. Inoperable. Not beyond saving, though. Jinju tilts to the machine while Anna approaches an exobody. Should I transmit this back home? Yeah, her answer full of distraction. Anna kneels, a visor sweep highlights bullet holes, ruptures, and mechanical failures. Her eyes, however, see only the Braytech emblem emblazoned on the Exo's uniform. Anna pulls a rusty clasp badge from the Exo's belt. 0220-17. Echo Project. Paragon Clearance. This is how they accessed the lift and got through the door scan. How long ago was this? Power kicks on. Strip lights drone as charge flows through the room. A thick glass enclosure dug out of the far wall brightens. Beyond the glass divider, a step away, a step away and a series of console undergoing automated boot procedures. Jinju analyzes an exo. They're well preserved down here. Hard to tell exactly. I'll take some samples. A synthetic voice, wrapped with static and age, seizes into the room. Security verification. Jinju and Anna turn to each other. Anna lifts her hands in a shrug and mouths, I don't know. Jinju looks, Jinju's look intensifies into a glare, her thoughts almost transmitting telepathically. Try something? Bray, Anastasia, verification, scans run over them. Anomalous entity detected. Rogue mind detected. A duo of Gauss repeaters drop and align firing solutions. Anna grips Jinju with her gun hand and flings her back, condensing a swarm grenade in her left. She tumbles sideways as the coil guns open fire and flings the grenade in the opposite direction. It erupts into a fire and firefly explosions that flutter towards the turrets. The repeaters snap to the solar heat signatures and unload at the distraction. 18 Kelvins line up with the left leftmost repeater, chucking round after electrified round into the sparking turret. Her gun burns superheated, discharging arc rounds with cores of solar light. Metal drips molten from the turret's fluxing frame. It rattles. A final round ruptures the magnetic barrel and splits the rotary breech, sending splinters of shrapnel across the room. With the swarm grenades fireflies depleting, the remaining Gauss repeater swivels and locks onto Anna. She ducks under a leading shot and spins, using centrifugal force to whip a solar knife through the turret, splitting it. Flame-licked fluid spills onto the ground as a knife detonates. Fire fills the roll of the stuttering lighting fixtures. Of course, 
those still work, and it pivots on her heel. Jinchu? Extinguishment protocols sputter into action, dousing the oily blaze with directed biocarbonate, biocarbonate foam. Alive! Jinju slinks into the view from behind a fallen exo and examines the bullet-laden turret. You've never tripped a security system before. Anna thumbs the echo badge in her hand before stowing it. I don't think I did. She walks to the far wall. What did it mean by rogue mine? Jinju glides close to Anna's shoulder, remaining partially covered, and taps her helmet with a plink of light. Did someone in there know? Jade scale hue trimmers ripple across Anna's visor like caffeinated tea before they fade into deep blood red knots in her chest. Let's get some answers. Anna swipes the echo card through a glowing slit in the glass. Recognition beeps and clinks sound as magnetic locks unlatch from the thick ballistic plate door. She pushes her way into the room. Jinju peers over her shoulders as she passes and watches Anna's login clear on the console before following. Clovis, 9. Pillory access. Echo link. Pending request. Warmind network bypass. Anna stares into the console's interface. What are you? I'm going to stop there for a second. Yeah, I think that's wise. So, the first hints of Rasputin being considered a rogue mind, and the fact that the AI for the system or the system doesn't necessarily understand that... Uh, what the ghost is. They don't know what that is. Up to you on that one, Jay. Um, do you think that the rogue mine is reference to the ghost or to Rasputin? Because I took it as reference I think it's the to Rasputin. Rasputin. Okay, okay. The I think the, yeah, the, the rogue is the Rasputin, the anomaly, because it references an anomaly. That's yeah. the that's the ghost. Correct. Okay. That's, that's how I was reading it too, but I just wanted to make sure. But the thing is, is like they're they're following in footsteps of somebody who broke into this system before the volcano ever erupted before on the Mars. Age ended. Before, likely before the Golden mm-hmm. Age ended, and they broke in with this like diamond studded drill thing. that has yeah, it's a it's the image I have in my mind is of um, the type of drills they use for digging out tunnels. Mm-hmm. But it's diamond studded, which would cut through a lot more than normal normal steel would. But the were there other things on this one that you want to talk about before we close out the intro session? Um, no, I mean uh, the big thing that to me stands out is the definition of Paragon. Um, excuse me, uh, uh, Paragon being is, the prestigious, yeah, yeah, the it's, epitome. It's, it's basically something that's viewed as the the model of excellence. Um, a paragon is a person or thing regarded as a perfect example of a particular quality. Um, the reason why I find this of interest is because it is paired with pillory. Uh, pillory is actually, it, it is an actual thing. A pillory is the, so um, the best example is every low budget medieval film that I've ever seen has one of these. It is the stocks that people get put in. It's the wooden framework with holes for the head and hands that people will get put in. Um, The purpose was to imprison them and then expose them to public abuse. Uh, So basically what you would be done, what would be done is they would be put into the stocks, into the pillory, and then uh, for a day or X amount of time. And throughout the day, 
the public, the the general public, would basically either throw rotting vegetables at them, you know, throw stuff at them, make fun of them, jeer at. Them. It's basically it was a form of punishment. Public shame. Yeah, it was a form of punishment that was that was ascribed to like the lesser crimes, uh, basically to to try to curb people from doing it is really what it was. But um, pillory and paragon are very opposite <laughs> opposite things so i find it interesting that they were they were put together um paragon access to the pillory or pillory access with paragon clearance is um it's just an interesting layout of terms in my mind mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i wonder if the pillory itself is meant as a way to create the paragon right like mm. Using the pillory I, as a way to... Yeah, I would argue that the Paragon is more like the law enforcement that imposes the pillory as a use. Okay. Gotcha. I gotcha. Cool. Do we? Okay, so here's my question to you. Do we want to just finish reading this card and then start the next episode with the explanation of it? Because there's still a lot left. Or do you want to start the next episode with this portion? Um. Yeah, we can. we can read. I think there's... On this card, is there... Oh. I wouldn't mind just reading it. There's not as much as far as... You'll get into the actual um, logic at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's read it, and but... then we can start the advanced with the logic breakdown. Okay. Do you want to read it? You want me to take... Yeah. yeah. You do it. Not it. I'll do it. Okay. Anna stares in the console's interface. What are you? Not Atlas, Jinju's dejection reverberates in the glass cell. Anna flicks, Anna flicks a sideward glance over her shoulder at her ghost before selecting Warmind Network Bypass. No. But it looks like the system had backdoors all over. She toggles through a list of the Shadow Network's, Shadow Network's production facilities and connected pillory stations. It's not Atlas, but it's a start. There are 11 other stations like this. There's a whole subnet defense, defense network completely disconnected from the Warmine Initiative. Anna steps back. Why? Jinju circles the screen. Why is right? Anna divides. Anna dives back into the terminal. The facilities listed span the system. Earth and Luna, Europa, asteroids adrift now belonging to the shore. Mars, naturally. Even so far as Uranus. Uranus. That station, an orbital, caught her eye. Echo. She flicks back to the previous menu. Echo Link. One of these stations has a pending request. Thin tapped tones of pale tin reek metallic inside Anna's helmet. Frenetic and uneven. Pillory does sound bad. A few swift motions navigate the trio into the pillory access menu. Redline protocol. Test pillory. Status. Ready. Redline protocol. Initiative Pillory. Clearance. P7s. Redline Protocol. Purge Pillory. Status. No target. Redline Protocol. Procedural Outline. Select Verification 1.072. Never hurts to read the instructions. Anna selects the procedural outline. Her gaze chisels into the loading screen. In the event of a Redline Protocol incident, Paragon level members... Pillory System, Network Clovis 1 through 12. Access Point Clovis 9. 
In the event of a catastrophic failure, neural degeneration, or loss of containment, herein collectively referred to as rogue mind incident, initiatives, warmind cerebral partitioning, and quarantine integration into 12 Clovis stations within neural webway, redline protocol, check purge for no target, system reads locked when in use, system reads no target when in standby, Fire, test pillory, must read, ready. Fire, initiate pillory. Warning, initiate only during rogue mine incident. Automated link, echo contingency. Fire, echo project, automated. Sever connection to echo link for redline protocol quarantine in the event of a rogue mine incident. Internal failure resolution directives. Troubleshooting. Network schematic. Neural webway. Containment failure. Station maintenance. Clovis 1 through 12. Jinju rolls her shell end over, rose, rolls her shell end over end along the top of the console display. Want me to get in there? Yeah. Download everything. Figure out where we can stitch Rasputin in and give him station control. Oh? Lavender aroma relaxation subsides sour worry not tensions building throughout the atmosphere in Anna's suit. Red, if anyone can pull your brain apart, it should be you. That sounds fair, Jinju agrees. Anna leans into the console. All these connections are one-way network integrations from closed systems. We'll have to do it manually at each site. Oh. Jinju's voice digitizes as she trails off into a snowdrift of light and enters the console. But first, Anna jumps back into the main menu and selects the pending Echo Link request. Echo Link. Kalia Station Actual Uranus Manual Distress Trigger Launch 1 Initiated Manual Failure Bay 1 Compromised Bay 2 Inert Counterbalance Failure Orbital Decline 42 Days 12 Minutes 7 Seconds The Orbital Decline Timer Ticks Down No Time to Waste Once you get red access, we have a station to save. So, this... Do we want to talk about it or do we want to be like... And we'll explain it next time. I mean, I'm going to explain it next time. But I think that the important thing on this one is that this is in and of itself an explanation to what the pillory uh, project, I guess would be the best term for what it is. And it also is a revelation slash explanation to why Rasputin is the way he is currently. Rasputin is a rogue mind, not the original. Well, he is the original. He's just broken. Rasputin is not the true tyrant. That's terrifying. Which is terrifying. Yep. So let's say that's very scary. Yeah. The thing that I I don't know, it does it say in any of these directives like what causes to yes. go rogue mind? Yes. Okay. I will I yes. Is that next is, time? Yep. Okay. Yep. It is It is part of the if-then statement. Sweet! All right. So, shout-outs to having something to talk about other than real life. Because <laughs> yep. real life is not fun right now. Make that sure is. that your real life has a break. Take a break. Read something fun. Read Legacy. Yeah. Or any of the other lore. Some of it's more depressing than others, so stay away from those depressing things, but good luck finding them, because there's a lot of... De- anyway. 
Valkyrie's like, this, this started is- turning out as a happy thing, but then... I mean, yeah, it, yeah. I was just thinking, it was like, huh, they could read. Nope, not Black Armory pages. Nope, not uh, The Awoken of the Reef or the uh, Marcena, although there are happy moments there. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> it's pretty bleak right now, guys. But yeah, find... It's fun to be able to talk about something other than our own real life problems. We can talk about video game problems, story problems. Mm-hmm. Anna and Jinju fighting slash Rasputin manipulating Anna to make her feel calm by using lavender scent, which, for the record, doesn't work with everybody. Some people detest the scent of lavender. Just saying. Anna does not. No, Anna likes it. <laughs> Anna's. Anna's. I'm going to say this, and you can bleep me out later. Anna's a basic (laughs) She loves her lavender, probably pumpkin spice lattes. And her Ugg boots. And her white claws. Her white claws. You mean her light claws? (laughs) uh, Yeah. Anyway, what about you for shout outs? Uh, Just, I mean, I I think you kind of hit it on the head. Um, You know, with everything that's going on, I really think that you know, those of us who have a platform to speak need to remember to, to stay calm. So I know and to keep keep your head, you know, on your shoulders, not not fly off on tangents. Um, and I think fly that, off on the handle. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there, there's been to be fair, there's been a good number of people who have done exactly that. And so a big shout out to those who are in the community who are who are doing their part um, and keeping calm and, and giving their community a place to, uh, to, you know, have a safe place, you know, whether that is a place to vent, whether that is a place to, you know, to feel safe on, you know, all the stuff that's going on with the, the me too thing that is, that is still, still exploding across the internet as it rightfully should. Um, you know, that's, that's still, it's, it's a painful time out there. And so a big shout out to everyone who has given a safe haven to those who are in, in, in pain. I think that yeah. sometimes you need to take space and that is okay. Yes. And that's, it, that's that doesn't my... mean, yeah, it doesn't mean burying your head in the sand like an ostrich and never coming back to it because it's something that we all kind of have to face in some way, shape or form right now. But Taking space is not a bad thing. It gives you a chance to reset and look at it objectively later. And, and you know, taking time off is not of like it's okay. You don't have to. You know, one of my one of my really favorite quotes is, "You don't have to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm." Um, you know, take care of number one. You got you got to take care of yourself first. That's the only way. Even if even if you're trying to take care of other people, if you don't take care of yourself. You know, if you're not in a good place, you can't help others. And that's that's the big thing, you know, that I, I hope people hear. But, um, yeah, <laughs> that all being said, I, we just, again, want to thank you for your time. And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. 
Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.